This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. An uptown icon is getting a second act. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. One of the many great series that we do here on Reset is one we call What's That Building? They're stories about those places that you pass in and around Chicago, and they make you think, huh? What is the story of that place? We'll be bringing you architecture stories from that series all week. Today, we are talking about the Preston Bradley Center. It's been a staple of the Uptown community for decades. It was founded in 1925 and has served as a Unitarian church, a homeless shelter, and even an art gallery. But in recent years, the building fell into disrepair, and word was the building might be demolished. That's when a former resident of the neighborhood stepped in, bought the center, and came up with a plan to give it a new life. In this installment of What's That Building, we dive into the history of the Preston Bradley Center and look ahead to its future. Our guide is our architectural investigator, Dennis Rodkin of Crane's Chicago Business. Dennis, first, give us a sense of where this building is in Uptown and describe it. Uh, It's in the 900 block of Lawrence. It's just east of the big theaters people associate with Uptown. Beautiful building, six stories high, columns up the front. Um, looks like it could be more an auditorium than a church, and that's really sort of what the intention was. It was built in 1926 as a Unitarian Universalist congregation. Um, the the sanctuary, if you will, is much more of an auditorium mm-hmm. because Preston Bradley was he was nonsectarian. He was it's not right to call him a showman, but he was much more. He was much more of a lecturer and a personality uh-huh. than he was a minister. Um, really an amazing character. We'll talk, and I think we'll talk about more more about him later. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we mentioned, this this building has had some fascinating uses over the years. How did the use of the building change over time? Give us more of that. Well, it hasn't really changed so much as it's been added on to. The, okay. the People's Church, which um, Preston Bradley was the head of, has owned the building since it was built. He had been with the church for several years, and then they built the the building in 1926. Um, He died in the 1970s. The the congregation has still been there, though much smaller. It's a few dozen people now. It used to be 4,000 people. Oh, wow. Um, But they have brought in other uses, like the things you mentioned, the homeless shelter, the soup kitchen, uh, the gallery, uh, because it's a 15,000-square-foot building. You could put many uses in it. But that 15,000 square foot building was beginning to lose its luster, 
right? It was. Well, you know, how so, to get to that point is it was too much going on? Well, I think you know, a congregation of three hundred of three dozen people doesn't have the money, doesn't generate the money that a congregation of four thousand does. And over the years, uh, it doesn't appear that they deferred maintenance the way a lot do. You know, when the roof starts to fall in, the stained glass is gone, those kinds of things. They just they kept it up, but it really it it needed a new. Um, it needed a new revitalization. It needed new life. Yeah. But either way, despite the issues that were happening with the building, that space, though, was still being used by a number of different groups. By Yes, by several. By, as we said, a homeless shelter. There yeah. have been so many programs in there. As I understand it, m- more recently, there have been two congregations in there, not just the People's Church, but another. Um, it's been a very busy and vital space on Lawrence Avenue. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just joining, we are discussing the Preston Bradley Center. That's in Uptown. It's set to be refurbished so that it can continue to serve the community nearly 100 years after it was first built. This is our series, What's That Building?, where we talk about notable buildings in and around the Chicago area. And our guide, as always, is Dennis Rodkin of Crane's Chicago Business. So, Dennis, we've been talking about how this um, center's future was kind of looking uncertain, right? Uh, as we mentioned, someone did step in to save it. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm uh, Dr. Dan Ivankovich, uh, a.k.a. Chicago Slim, the uh, blues doctor. Okay. <laughs> so he sounds like a very interesting guy, Dennis. you got to tell us more. Oh, it, you know, it is so interesting to trail him through this building. He's a really interesting guy. Um, his parents came to Chicago as immigrants from Croatia. They were physicians, and now he is also a physician came here in the late 1960s, lived only six blocks from this, from the Preston Bradley Center, now lives elsewhere. But he's been, inv- he and his wife, Carla, have been involved in, well, he's a blues musician. They've been involved in all sorts of health activism. Uh, he, as I said, is a surgeon. She's a behavioral therapist. They, they really have worked for, as Preston Bradley did, um, the underserved in the community, mm-hmm. as well as having just a thriving medical practice. So what does Dan want to do with this space? Oh, everything. <laughs> it's, and it's I think really, you mean that literally. <laughs> I, I do. It's, it's interesting, to, as I said, to follow him around and hear him. He points at this space and it's going to be, they want to reopen the soup kitchen. He has the idea that this wonderful old ballroom on the top would be, uh, would house a basketball program for young women in the day and uh, exercise programs for senior citizens at other hours. He wants to have music performances on the main stage. He wants to have, uh, he has a couple of nonprofits uh, based on music that would be housed in the building. So you'd see, uh, at night you'd see music performance. In the day you'd see wellness and um, social programs. Just fill that place up is And these are some very specific ideas he's got for for yeah. the, for the space. You met up with Dan. It sounds like he gave you a, a pretty cool tour of the building. You you saw all those spaces? We saw every square inch including <laughs> the main auditorium. It's majestic. Oh wow. Like when you when you walk in and it's like a old European design. It, it's it's all wood. Now did, did you hear how we don't have reverberation in here? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's incredible. Like, we, we walked in, it was reverberating in the lobby, and now we walk in here, and there's this, um, it's not booming. <laughs> so what, what does he have planned for that auditorium space? Well, the interesting thing is, because there are so many programs, he sort of sees the auditorium space being renovated last, because he calls that the ooh space, 
and he wants to do the offices where all these programs would happen first. But in that space, which is you're in an auditorium where the ceiling is 55 feet high, there are 1,300 seats on the main floor and two rows of balconies, as he said, wrapped in wood. Uh, He envisions not only health seminars and guest speakers during the day, but music at night. It's a cultural offering for the community, health and wellness, children, mentorship, and music. And, uh, you know, and at any point in time, one of those things can take the priority, but all of them should work together. Just you got to program your day. I mean, I just never understood if you have an amazing club or a venue, why would you only want it open from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m.? I mean, that's a valid point. You know, it is. It's really interesting. I mean, it does. It combines his interests. He's a blues musician, and he's a phys- he and his wife are he's the physicians blues and- doctor. He's the blues doctor. <laughs> Get yeah. it right, Dennis. Um, sh- uh, Chicago Slim, um, <laughs> but he has these interests yeah. and and wants to pursue them. But he also he wants to bring in grants and philanthropy to support all of this. And um, and you know it does make an awful lot of sense. Why shut down? at 5, 6 p.m. because all your healthcare programs are done when you've got this beautiful auditorium. A couple of the programs that I'm talking with, one of them is a, uh, a female young girl empowerment and mentorship program. They do it through basketball. And having uh, an area up here during the day where seniors could have group physical therapy sessions. Um, you know, right now there's a lot of shortage and need for seniors who are deconditioned to get moving. And uh, this is a great open space where you could do uh, uh, aerobics, you could do spinning, and then afterwards you could set this up as a basketball court. It's good to hear his explanation as to the why yeah. right, behind all, the, all of these choices. It is. It's really fascinating. I mean, it's all, it's sort of one organic bundle and, and pretty fascinating. And so he's not going to make a lot of changes. When we talk about rehabbing the building, he's not talking about, for example, putting in a basketball gym where there was a ballroom, but adapting the ballroom to become, among other things, a basketball gym. Mm-hmm. The, I mentioned uh, the auditorium space looks more like an auditorium than a church. But you can't mistake it for a church because there's this giant mural of Jesus with his arms upstretched above the stage. Mm-hmm. It's by Louis Grell. It was, it's actually later than when the building was built. It was built in 1959. It, it has a title that is kind of like um, Dan Ivankovich's could be his slogan. Yeah. The title of the mural is Keep Looking Up. Um, and so he's going to keep that. And, you know, we were talking about music performance on the stage. And so what he said is during the day, we've got lectures, that sort of stuff. And at night, God's house is going to rock. Oh, wow. Very interesting. Is this all a Dan's money that's being used to, to fund these projects? I'm it curious. is not. He, he wasn't specific, but he did tell me it's not his money. He has investors. He pulled together investors, like-minded people uh-huh. who helped pay the $2 million to buy the building. Uh, hasn't yet estimated the cost of rehab, but investors would be involved there as well. It seems to me that it's probably as much as the cost of the building, given how much has to happen. And then he expects to have a budget of about half a million to a million dollars a year to operate the place when everything is up and running. Mm-hmm. That, too, would be supported by grants, by by ticket fees, for example, to concerts, and by a cash infusion from him. But he, as he explains it, he would really be the minor part of the fund. I see. Any other, uh, any other signs that there are parallels between Dan's vision and, and Preston Bradley's legacy here? 
Uh, yeah, you know, even on the very fr- on the front door of the building, there there is a parallel. <laughs> There's a poster hanging on the door that quotes from the prayer that Preston Bradley gave when the building was opened on October 1st, 1926. And among other things, Preston Bradley said that he hopes the church may always be an open door to the downtrodden and the broken and the bruised and the bleeding. Wow. Those are the people, uh, Dan used the term people, the shutouts, people who have been shut out and Mm -hmm. how he wants to be available to absolutely everyone. They need to do that in a physical way. This building was built in 1926. He needs to adapt it to handle the Americans with Disabilities Act. But in a more philosophical way, he I sort of feel like he's almost channeling. Uh, Preston Bradley. And he actually said there's a, a sculpture of Preston Bradley sort of in a storage room. And yeah. and when we were there, he said, Dan um, said, yeah, I think if he were still alive, we'd be drinking buddies. How long does he think it's going to take to get all these things up and running, these new projects? Several years. Once again, they just they just bought it within the last several weeks. Yeah. And he's still talking to architects about ab- everything that has to be done. So they don't have a start date, which means they don't have an ending date. And, and doing it in phases, doing the different program spaces before they do the auditorium. So it's likely to be a few years, though we may see pieces of it up and running sooner than that. That was Dennis Rodkin, reporter for Crane's Chicago Business. Very interesting. Thank you, Dennis. Thanks, Sasha. This episode of Reset was produced by Andrew Merriweather, and it was edited by Ethan Schwab. Catch every episode of the What's That Building series by subscribing to our podcast. And when you subscribe, do us a favor, will you? Leave a rating and share us with a friend. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.